Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Joe Pavlansky, pop culture historian, writer for Scary Monsters magazine, and curator of the Crypt of Classics. Co-hosting, as always, is the maestro of mail-order mysteries and owner of HouseOfTheUnusual.com, the one, the only, Eddie Guevara. Eddie, what's up? Pretty good, Joe. How are you doing today? No, not too bad. Now that we got our our technical difficulties, hopefully out of the way and... I'll tell we you one get, thing, get we, move on. we have more technical difficulties than the television channel that would always say, we have technical difficulties. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, and, oh. and everyone out there, i got to get in over a little bit of a chest cold, so if you hear me clearing my throat or coughing, then deal with it. <laughs> hey, uh, Joe, uh, I think you wanted to talk about a topic that was very interesting, um, and that was uh, pellet firing pistols that were very yes. famous in the mail order ads of the 1970s. Um, what would you like to to mention? Well, I know we started talking last time. It was about the um, how popular the, the the pistol ads were, and how popular even like the like the ray guns that were that were introduced from um, you know Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon, and even uh, Space Patrol. And what made those so popular? And was it the ads? Was it the movies tv shows comic strips or you know was it a combination of everything so just want to kind of get your take on it and you know discuss maybe some of your favorite um you know did you like the guns better the cap guns the bb guns or the phaser pistols well the first thing i was first introduced to be honest with you with the uh, the guns themselves and i used to like reading early magazines of uh, say for example uh Kung Fu, Inside Karate, <laughs> and, you know, some of those martial arts magazines, including the Guns and Ammo magazine and Soldier of Fortune. And there was always this ad in there that said, stop any attacker. And what they would do is they had this two guns, the, the same ad all the time, that would shoot tear gas. So I thought it was kind of cool because it would say no license required. But then also... Every time I went into the Johnson Smith, uh, or actually Johnson Smith, to be honest with you, did not really sell too many pellet guns. They sold one or two, but Honor House, they must have sold in every single ad. They had a pellet firing pistol with free targets. So I always thought they were actually pellet firing. Uh, till the day I ordered one, and I found out that the pellets were nothing more, but uh, they were this uh, plastic little bullets that you would insert, and it was kind of funny, though, because the plastic bullets would be inserted, and you can just shoot it into your hand like that. Now, normally I would, I'm trying to think where I have some of them that I could, you know, in future shows, uh, have some pictures of them. I might even, you know, maybe later on edit some into the podcast we're doing right now to be able to, uh, you know, show them what the ads were, but it was very popular. And to let everyone know, this is our first video podcast as well. Yeah, then we've had more technical difficulties than, like I said, yeah. the channel. Because uh, we, uh, the, for some reason, Zoom kept crushing, crashing on my iPad. And uh, there's no reason for it. I have one gig of up and down internet, the fastest internet from Fios. And I also have the iPad Pro, which is four months old, the 2020 version. 
and it's mm-hmm. connected right now to the road road podcaster pro so why it's crashing and why it would uh, conflict beats me but let's yeah, see stuff like that will always happen man but you know we, we were talking about the um the, the guns and all that i remember when i was young and then now this would have been around like the mid early mid 80s i used to see a lot of the ads and even at my local um drugstore was for because rambo was real big at the time so you would get the rambo set i think it came with a, a little red bandana and then um you had a gun that came with it, a little canteen and you know it was one of those guns that you pull the trigger and it, it made like that little i don't know kind of weird noise but that's kind of what got me into the cap guns because you know as i got a little bit older you know a year or two older i didn't I didn't really care for the sound anymore. I wanted something that made a bang. So then I got the, you know, found the cap guns where you would put in the, uh, it came with the, you know, remember the long strips that you would load in and then you could buy the uh, other ones that they were uh, like six shooters where they would come with the round um, like plastic things with the, the gunpowder in them and you would put them in and you'd get maybe, you know, six or eight shots from those. But that's really where I started, you know, with the guns. I don't know if you're aware, sometimes those cap guns, the one that had the little round thing with the uh, six-shooter, yeah. they had a lot of the pellet-firing pistols actually had that in the background. Then you would insert the pellet into the front of the cylinder. Oh, really? Yeah, and when the cap went off, it shot the pellet. It projected it. I have one or two of those. Uh, <laughs> definitely, you won't find that today anywhere. But, I mean, it even you can find them because it wouldn't project it. Like, you could shoot it into your hand. But um, Right. What was really fascinating mostly about those guns is, is the following. The guns look so realistic. In fact, they were full size. In fact, if you pulled it out on somebody in a dark alley, they would probably think it's a real pistol. Um, yeah, especially nowadays, you know, kids will get shot over stuff like definitely, that. You definitely will get shot. Uh, actually, Honor House, to be honest with you, Joe, um, when they sold Honor House in, in the early 80s, a company called Guaranteed Distributors took them over. And when they took them over... Uh, what Honor House did was that they basically sold for about six years those pellet-firing pistols. I think I sent you a recent um, photograph of what the ads look like. So do you see that? A total of about, I think, nine of them. I was actually looking around my office here to see because I think I might have had one of those flyers so I can show, you know, basically what, what they were, and, and you could see the... Uh, different kinds of pistols <coughs> but when you want to find something you don't find it you know yeah <laughs> and, that's and all I, I don't have like the <laughs> option right now to look around for it but um i i gotta tell you it's it's um they, you, you would have so many that it, it was amazing i mean the pellet firing pistols i would think i was trying to see actually my phone right now to see if i could even bring up a, an image of one you could see what I'm saying. But they actually sold for a long time. And they were sold along magazines that really were gun magazines. So why would you think that a guns and ammo is going to sell a pellet gun made of plastic with plastic bullets? Uh, well, maybe maybe if they were thinking, you know, a father wanted to, to gift his son or daughter, you know, with a uh, almost maybe like a training type gun to, to teach them safety. I, that's the only thing I would be able to think right, of. <laughs> but you, you would think it's real. So when you order them for, I mean, 
No one thinks, okay, wait, there's four ninety five or six ninety five. How can you buy a pellet gun for six dollars? You know? And uh, Yeah, that that's cheap. Yeah, I mean, you know it is it's funny because I had a um speaking of the pellet guns, I had a um one of the uh pump pellet gun when I was young and I used to sit up in my when I had my bedroom in the attic, I would and it was long because it was a Cape Cod, so at one end I would set up a box. And I would put like a pillow behind it or some styrofoam and all that. And then I would set up my little green army men in it. Then I'd go to the other end of the room. I'd lay down with the pellet gun and I'd shoot, you know, the green army men down with the pellets. But I thought these were, you know, the real pellets, you know, the real um, metal ones or the, and I used to use the, the BBs as well. So these weren't the, the plastic ones. This is kind of interesting. I don't know if, if I could show it, but this one here. It's shown online, and it's it's a soft air. Oh. What they call soft air uses the plastic BBs. You know what I'm saying? And now they're being sold everywhere. You can oh, yeah, that's K-Mart, huge now. Walmart. Yeah, for some reason, those are, I guess, legal. I don't know. It's weird. But yet, the, the ones that I'm telling you that are, that are plastic, that you can shoot into your hands, you always had the thing that said not for sale in New York City. So I guess for whatever reason... They're not for sale in New York City, even though I, I don't see why New York City wouldn't allow that at the time. Yeah. I, I think it was really more like the like the part when you put no license required. I mean, I've used that when I sell the potato gun, the spud gun, no license required. And I've sold a lot just because of that phrase in there, you know? Oh, yeah. People, you know, that's almost, you know, we were talking on the last podcast about, you know, buzzwords. And that's definitely a... Uh, a buzzword, you know, buzz phrase people are looking for, no license required. They're like, man, this, you know, it gets something cool and I don't have to worry about anything and well, you know, go in the backyard and shoot potatoes around. Well, like I said to you, actually, Honor House stayed in business. I, I think they're still actually in business today, the, the company that took over Guaranteed Distributors. And the reason they're still in business because they actually sold that. That's the only thing they sold, those plastic guns. And, you, you know, they were very, very popular. Now, one of the things also that I think made them really good, is, especially in the um, Honor House catalogs, is that Honor House at one time actually sold the 1911 um, a- a 45 ACPs. And you could break it down. So it would say that the kit was breakable and you could break it down into parts. And who wouldn't want that? Now, they also had a Luger. The Luger that was sold in Honor House was very realistic. You could, you know, unassemble it like a real thing. Now this thing was, believe it or not, I think it was like two ninety five or four dollars and ninety five cents, and this was like in nineteen seventy one, seventy two. I got a Luger. I got one of those Lugers, and I paid almost a hundred and fifty dollars on eBay to get it because of this. Oh wow! You know, and it, they, honestly, when you look at it, <coughs> it they they would put in the handle, um, say like the back of the handle. It would mm-hmm. have a, a, a rod of, of of metal, cast iron, whatever it was, that gave it weight. So you, it felt like, you know, it was plastic, but it had weight in it because right. of the weight inside the pistol. Now, what really, what I really wanted to do was, uh, when, you know, when you're talking about laser, the laser plans that they showed in uh, Johnson Smith were always something I wanted. And, of course, watching Lost in Space all my life. Uh, when I was a kid, who didn't want to have his own laser gun and robot, right? So that was where I became so yeah. fanatic. Now, <laughs> what I try to do when those original laser pointers were, 
out. I started buying toy pistols, and I would separate them and put the laser pointer in them. But then I try to make this, the trigger mechanism do it so that when I put it back together and I squeeze the trigger mechanism, it would turn on the laser. It was a real actual working laser pistol. Oh, that's cool. And <laughs> I remember actually hacking a, um, I think it was a Nintendo 64. You remember those guns from Nintendo that looked like a futuristic oh, yeah. laser? Oh, yeah. I remember, yeah, I remember buying one of those and hacking it. And actually, I made it. It worked fantastic. Uh, I painted it all black and stuff. I have it somewhere. Don't, you know, it's like anything in my storage in life. It disappears yeah. all the time, you know. See, when I, when I was young, I used to get the, um, like I said, we, we would go to Hills or Ames or, or something like that or Family Dollar and get the, you know, any of the, the military guns, you know, because I always ran around playing Army and all that. So we would get them and they would be sometimes funky colors, you know, all orange or, you know, have these different, you know, bright green or something on them. So I'd take them home and me and my dad or my neighbors, we'd spray paint them black and then you know, spray paint some green on them to give them a little bit of a camouflage. But they were just like the cheap ones you would find at the, the dollar store. But when I, I got older and I, I really started liking to collect the, um, like the guns from, you know, the rack toys and all that, I, I kind of gravitated more towards like the, um, they kind of came in like little kits and I'm looking at one right now. It's a, uh, it's a Dick Tracy one and it's a, it's a rack toy and it's, maybe from the 80s, late 70s, early 80s, and it comes with a wallet, uh, a little detective's badge, and a um, yeah. uh, a, a short, like, uh, snub-nosed revolver pistol. It, it goes for a lot, uh, those things. Uh, uh, I always like the kits like that where you – what's that? I'm going to say to you that that pistol you're talking about goes for a lot on eBay. I know you get about $100 for that. Yeah, I always like those those kits, and I got another one. It's a Dick Tracy uh, crime fighter set, and it has the gun, the badge, and some handcuffs in it. So I always kind of gravitated towards you know those you know sets now that that were like the rack toys or you know the cheap ones you could find rather than just you know the cheap rifles or or pistols. But I'd still like to find you know a nice old um, you know cap gun, but the one where you put the uh, you know, it was like that kind of like the rolled up tape thing where you, you know, you put it in and then it comes out the back, you know, every time that you, you pop it. A, I have about at least 20, 30 of those. Oh, I, really? I, yeah, there was a time I was actually buying really old cap guns and, and toy guns. Um, I think I mentioned one of our original podcasts. Uh, I mentioned that at one time when I was a kid, I had this cannon. Joe, this cannon was, I don't know, not a cannon, a bazooka. You put it on your shoulder. I would say it was like 36 inches long, and no kidding, about that wide. It was called Agent Zero. And, and you used to take on top of, let's say, let's say you had, um, give me an example. Let's say this right here. Let's say this was the, the thing. You had a, a thing, you went like that to it, like a handle. And that cap gun, they, they discontinued it for whatever reason, I think, because it, it used to actually shoot projectiles. And I... One sold on eBay for like $3,000, and I had it. I was like, oh, my God, what happened? I think I lost mine in the fire. And I also broke the handle where I had to stick a screwdriver in order to pump it. But um, I'm, looking through my, I'm looking through my phone. I think you sent me a photo of, a, um, of an old-time um, Bazooka, that's rifle. probably the one. Well, he, he, here's one thing I want to say to you. I do have a large collection of 
you know, toy guns and stuff. But one of the ones that's one of my favorites. And and, and this I thought was funny because one time we go to the mall and I go into Spencer's. And there was an early version, you know, because you know how you have that Dick Tracy gun, which is, gosh, man, not Dick Tracy, um, Buck Rogers. There's one particular oh, yeah. gun that sells for always over three, four hundred dollars every time it goes on on sale. I bought one one time, all rusted and stuff, and I had to clean it up. And I have, you know, it's in pretty good condition. But the thing is that the, the all the Buck Rogers pistols they they go for a lot of money, right? Oh, definitely. And I had one that I was able to get. It's a black plastic pistol, but it shoots air. And and it was kind of funny though because they made a kind of a version of that, but this thing was like, I I think like looking at like ten inches in diameter, and it was called the air bazooka. And then in the back, you had like a you pulled a rubber band with this suction kind of thing, and, and when you went like this, it went poof, and it shot air forward. <laughs> so <laughs> I, that's pretty cool. I, I'm in uh in Spencer's. I, I don't <coughs> know, it was in the early days of my marriage. I think in the late '80s or. I don't know, mid nineties, whatever it was, and and I take the gun, and my wife is standing about maybe seven, six, seven feet away from me, and I just go like this, and I point it at her, at her back of her head, and I go, <laughs> and gently the air goes through the air, and her hair goes like this to the front, poof, like all her hair, <laughs> and she looked at me and said, like you moron, <laughs> but it was funny though because I just went like this. And and the gust of air goes out of the thing, and then it goes like hits. It's kind of like when you go like, and you sp- not spit, but you puff into the air, and then two seconds right. later, the you know the whatever you have moves or the curtain. But it was so funny, and that is one of my favorite. There was also another pistol they did in the seven in the fifties, which actually just like a paper cap. It, what it did is it actually took pieces of paper, and then it would hammer it and pop them. It cause a popping sound. Now, oh, I, yeah? I have that one as well. That one actually looks more like a... It's it's metal. It's got a futuristic-looking thing. It doesn't... I mean, it looks like a gun, but it looks like... You know those guns, you... The sparkling ones that you go like that, and they shoot sparks? Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it has a trigger like that. It's all metal, and you would put slips of paper. You would cut strips of paper, put it through... And then when you, when you, it kind of does the same thing as like, if you would take your hand, let's say, and put a paper and you go like that and you pop it and it would cause the popping sound. And that was another gun. <laughs> now those, those spark guns, didn't they mostly use those for like the, um, would be like the, like the laser pistols type that, you know, from a sci-fi show or something. You gave me the cough, Joe. I know. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh my God. The, uh, Fight in mind, I gave it to you over the internet. <coughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I'm still trying to find that photo. I, I want to say that you sent it to me. I can't remember where where was that, but it was of a... Um, it, it had to have been of that. I'm, I'm going to stop looking, but I think it was of that bazooka. It's It's got a little kid. And it was kid. really huge. Yeah, it's got a little kid. It has it on his shoulder. It's a black and white photo. I probably did send it to you. I think I did. But the the, the thing is that um, with all the guns that they made, the cap guns and stuff, the rubber band guns, those are another of my favorite. Down in Cuba, when I was four years old, my very first gun ever was uh, a rubber band gun. And then one day I remember um, I 
I had a shovel, a little shovel, and I'm opening holes in the ground or something. And I came across the remains of a cap pistol that used to belong to my grandfather. Uh, and now my grandfather at the time had given it to one of his sons, one of my uncles, when they were little. So the mm-hmm. thing must have been buried for probably, I don't know, 40 years. And um, I remember taking it out, and I looked at it, and he goes to me, oh, this is a cap gun. And it was actually, do you remember, there was this little miniature cap guns about an inch and a half. or two Oh, yeah, I remember those. And, and the top would pop up, and you put the little roll inside. Yep. And you go tack tack tack, and and it and it was a little, it was one of those. I, I'm surprised it survived, but actually I cleaned it up and I. Boy, I, I forgot all about those, man. We used to get them at the uh, at the corner store. I think for fifty cents or a buck, and I think the the um, the tape part was like twenty five cents, and you get like four rolls or something like that in it. But yeah, I I just man, I I forgot all about those. Well, here's the thing. Basically, we decided to do this podcast tonight, but we were doing it because we were trying to figure out how to do this live podcast thing. I would have been more prepared by having a few of the items, but I have that little cap gun in its original packaging. I still have it. Then I have an, a couple, actually, like two or three original. There was, you remember the little flying disc that they had the Star Trek and it would look like a 45 kind of. But it had like like the handle in the back and the little handle in the front, and you stick in this little flying saucer disc on the side, and then we shoot it. We shoot out the little flying saucers. Oh yeah, I remember those because they those were real big in the eighties too, and a lot of uh, a lot of toys ended up adopting those like around late eighties, early nineties, like GI Joe. You would you would find a lot of the vehicles they would have. You know they would call them mines. You know they would shoot out the mines. And then you'd get some figures that would shoot them out. But a lot of toys started utilizing those around late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Well, actually, those were larger sizes. But the little teeny ones that were about the size of a dime uh, from, you know, the early 80s and stuff. Actually, not early. They're from the early 70s, but they went on to the 80s. Uh, One thing I'm going to tell you that I had a – gosh, in fact, I have one in its original case, but I had a Star Trek one. And it had William Shagner, Leonard Nemo in the, in the cover. And it said Star Trek, and it was one of those little flying disc things. What year did those come out? Uh, well, I was playing with this probably 1974, so 75. Oh, okay. Like but like I said, I have an original in its packaging. Um, I can't go get it right now because I'll have to leave to go get it. Uh, <laughs> but um, that gun was funny because uh, the first one I had as a kid, I was playing outside my building. York City and uh, in Washington Heights and a girl came up to me um, she was old or whatever and she grabbed the gun and hit me over the head with it and took off with it <laughs> oh really yeah she, she mugged me man I, I was so devastated man, it really man you had the gun me. you should have defended yourself <laughs> Sheesh, man. and you know it was kind of funny because she took it I, I she stole it on me and um that's funny that that was funny man that was uh, I mean, a long long time ago but see the whole thing is there has always been and for me it's always been a favorite of mine to to have guns my my father in when i was young in cuba he took a he took a, a long piece a long stick right so think of a, a triangular kind of stick you know triangular like this going down a piece of wood and then he put a nail with a little stick over here and another nail as the trigger. So what mm-hmm. happened is that, let's say this is the trigger, right? The nail, not the nail, the uh, the piece of stick here would hold the trigger. 
and I would put a rubber band from from the, the thing to the front. Now, in Cuba, you don't have rubber bands, especially, you know, in a communist government. It's like I was like four years old, 1965, 66. And what they would do is take car tires, the inner tubes of car tires, and he would see <coughs> the rubber band with an inner tube. You know, he cut a little strip with a knife, and then he tied it. But now this rubber band, I had to save it because I only had one rubber band. It was not like I had multiple. <laughs> I would put it on. So what you would do is just think about it. You would kind of, let's say this is the trigger here. You would take off the, the thing that's holding the trigger there, take it off, and then you hold the trigger as you released it. The rubber band would shoot. And that was my first pistol. Another thing, because I, I mean, I was very fascinated with guns or any projectile that shot things. Another thing my, my grandfather would do for me, and this is really, um, I can't, I, I, I don't remember the name of the plant. What do you call those plants? They grow in islands and um, bamboo, okay, bamboo plants. In back of my house, there was a huge bamboo forest. And what my grandfather would do is he would get a, a like a two foot long bamboo and he would take a, a rod and, and break it through through the middle and leave mm-hmm. it where it was smooth inside. Because, you know, the bamboo, every so many inches, there's a knot, you know. So he would break the knot inside and leave it blank. So then what he would do is he would give me a paper that I would wet and I would stuff in one side. And then I would take the other side and stuff another wet paper. And then with the stick in the middle, you kind of like rushed it quick and the paper in the front go pop and shoot out. <laughs> yeah, that was my other weapon, and <laughs> I always it's funny because cork guns. Remember the cork guns? Oh yeah. I I, ha- I actually have a couple of cork guns from the seventies in the original package. I have about two of them, and um, I bought those. Oh gosh, when I first got married, but they used to sell them in the dollar store, and or the five and dime back then, like Woolworth, and you would buy it for like seventy nine cents. And it was actually a well-made plastic gun. But you pulled the, the, you cocked the barrel down, and you put the cork that had a string attached to the rear of it. And when you shot it, it went poof, and the cork, you know, would go, whatever. And then I also got a professional cork gun that cost me $130 that would shoot a cork at, you know, at an enormous distance, you know. Um, then, of course, later on, they made marshmallow guns that, but they all function with the same principle, you know, pressure of air and stuff. You know, you were when you were talking about the bamboo, I was I was thought you were gonna say you guys turned it into like a blow gun. You know, I remember during, you know, the eighties, I I think it was my uncle got me a, a blow gun and it was you know, I was maybe eight, nine years old, but I had just started taking martial arts with him and he bought me I, I can't remember if it was for Christmas or a birthday, but it was an actual blow gun with the you know, the the skinny metal rods that would come in and, and had a little weight on one end. But I remember being in my living room and they, it came with a target. So we would set it up on a cardboard box and then put like a, you know, a pillow or something on the other side. So it wouldn't go through. And I'd sit in my living room and, you know, use the blow gun. Like I was a ninja I'd shoot at this cardboard box, but yeah, that's what I thought you were going to mention with the bamboo that you guys made your own uh, blow gun. It was kind of the same thing. The only thing you did, it wasn't a blowgun because you actually pushed it and caused the air to compress and, and shoot out. Now, yeah. one that my grandfather did do for me, you would take it like a three or four inch bamboo, the real thick ones, mm-hmm. and he carved, you know, he, I don't know. I, I'm thinking here, I'm a four or five year old kid. So 
if they do a one foot thing, it probably looked like a four foot thing to me at the time. You know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. know how long it was, but it was to me it was pretty long. And it would be so. Just think about it. You still have the knot at the end, so he break all the knots up to the end, and then in the bottom, he carved out like a little area, a square area. He cut it out, and you would put, you know, those uh, rocks that you put together and and they ignite. What do they call those rocks? Yeah, like a flint rock. A phosphor. Yeah, like a flint rock. You would throw a flint rock inside, and then in the bottom, you put a match to it, and that thing will go. It was like a cannon, bro. <laughs> That's another thing I used to do as a kid. So I guess I was fascinated because all the toys that I had as a kid in Cuba were actually made. So, now, you know, they were right, yeah. simple toys. And then when I got here in 1969, 68, it was actually 68 going to 69. Um, you know, I came to New York at a time that, you know, it was, it was kind of like New York was more advanced than Cuba. But New York City was still in its infancy before video games, where all you had were card games, right. cards, toys like, you know, pistols, cap guns. So the only difference between Cuba and the United States at the time was the fact that the things that I had uh, were a little more advanced here. But, you know, you had my television was a black and white, I think 20, 23 or 24 inch, and that was like a, the, the living room one. In one mm-hmm. side, it had a knob that was the size of the microphone I have here, a huge knob like this, and you go kunk, 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 and it would go like between channels 2 to 13, and then it had a little light behind the, the number, so the little light hit it, and that's how you know you had the number. Your TV had four legs. It was round. Not the TV, but the inside was round. Then it had a glass in front of, which I don't understand why they always did that. You had the picture tube inside, but you had a glass in front of the picture tube. And it was black and white. So, you know, I I basically grew up and I started seeing things change. You know, video games came around. from. So I'm able to say that that's why actually mail order also became so popular as I always say to you in, in the 1970s, because, you know, we really played with a, a lot with our imagination. We played and, and built the corner. Like, you could still play with cardboard boxes. Like, my cousins would come over. I'll take a big cardboard box and make it into a little house. And we go inside the cardboard box, and you thought it was a spaceship. So buying the nuclear, the Polaris nuclear sub and stuff would be like a normal thing for the time. That's what people had. There's no video games. Oh, my gosh. I still remember when beepers came around. Beepers were so... Who didn't want to get their own beeper? Yet... Oh, man, I think I had a I had a pager as late as 2003, maybe. <laughs> I, I remember I thought it was so fascinating. This, this is the funny thing. I, well, the first time I ever got a pager, I was so excited that now my wife could call me and, you know, I get the beep. And I paid, I think it was $70 for the service for the whole year. So they sold me the pager, small little thing about the size of a lighter, and I had service for the whole year. My daughter, my oldest daughter, thought it was hot for her to carry the pager around. She puts it on the side the same day I bought it. We go to a mall. She goes inside the mall, and guess what she does? She loses it in the bathroom. Like, I just threw out this. I was so pissed, man. I'm like, are you kidding me? Somebody took it? And they had a whole full year service with it because my telephone number uh, was on it. But anyway, so, you know, pages come in. 
And then the best part is when the first cell phones come around. My God, those things, you, you're carrying a briefcase for the battery, and you have a cell phone, which is it was like a wall phone, but you carried it with you, and you paid anywhere from <coughs> $1 to $3 a minute, income yeah. or outgoing. So, uh, <laughs> well, I remember our, our cell phone we had in, it was around 97 or 98, and it was, a, I think it was a StarTac. So you had a, you know, it was like this, and you had to open it up, you had to pull the antenna up, and I think that our, we had a plan, it was like 20, maybe 20 minutes for the month, so we were only able to use it, you know, for emergencies, basically, that's why my parents got it, was for emergencies, and if you went over the 20 minutes, it was something like, I don't know, a dollar a minute or something, something astronomical like that. So, you know, you always had to make sure that you stayed under those 20 minutes. So it was always for emergency use, you know, to call for a ride if you were somewhere. And, and you know, now you have definitely, unlimited, you know, you could do whatever you want. You definitely got it after me because when, um, when I started with my first cell phone, uh, there was no such thing. I understand. I remember the one when they, they had plans where you would get, the first 60 minutes or the first 20 minutes included, and then everything after that was like a dollar. Yeah. When I got my first phone, it was a dollar a minute going in and a dollar a minute going out. Oh. Here's the best part that people forgot. If somebody called you by accident, <laughs> you paid. Yeah. So if somebody called you in and you get hello, who's it? Oh, wrong number. Two, three dollars right there. So an average bill of two to three hundred dollars a month was very common. Exactly. Now I, I remember my my buddy's parents had a um a car phone, and this would have been early nineties. I want to say they paid a dollar dollar fifty a minute for incoming and outgoing calls on on that. So yeah, we've come a long way with the with the cell phones, but and I still remember. I don't even know if these are still around. Is when I was in Kosovo in two thousand six, we still used. Uh, I know, man, that's only what fourteen years ago. We still used uh, calling cards. For the pay phone. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about the calling cards. Those became, yeah, I don't even know if those are around anymore. I no, I don't think that. But even in fact, one. Let's be honest. Even the fact of public phones, you hardly see any, you know, anywhere anymore. No, um, yeah, I don't know where there's public phone. I don't even know if our mall has public phones anymore. I, you know what? That's a good question. Now, you know, right now as I'm talking to you, I think as of about a year or two ago, they started fading away. Um. I remember I used to go talk to my, my wife when I was going out with her, and if I couldn't, I had to walk a block or two and take like a yeah. dollar and quarters just to talk, I mean, to talk to your girlfriend on the phone. Yep. <laughs> that was crazy. But yeah, I, that's crazy how far things have, have but come along. But, I mean, you know, getting back to the, the mail order guns and, and everything, and you just look at, you know, what was put out in the 60s and the, and the 70s and the 80s, to what's being put out now and you know it, it's totally different could you imagine giving kids you know what they have today you know back in in the 60s and and vice versa well, you know because i even remember during the 80s we had the um remember they were the guns and they worked on i believe the same concept kind of like air or maybe it was a spring but they would shoot out little darts that had suction cups on them Cause I'm, I'm actually looking at two sets I have on the wall right now. They're both. Uh, Those are all spring think, loaded. Spring. Are they spring loaded? Yeah, from the '80s, from uh, Marvel superheroes, where they they came with little card targets you could set up. But you know, we used to use those, and then you would have you know the bow and arrows that were the arrows with the suction cups on them. You know, I, I don't 
I, I don't remember the last time I've seen those. I don't think kids today have those. There, there's more, you know, advanced yeah. stuff they use. But even, you know, like water guns. You look at the water guns that were out in the 80s. You know, you just had this little gun that you had to pump up and squirt or, you know, one of those other ones where you'd pump it up and then you could pull the trigger until that air ran out. And then, you know, they went out to the backpacks they had and now everything's just totally you know, crazy and over the top. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. In the 1970s, I remember having a water gun. I don't know if I still have it or I, re I obviously, I probably lost the original. I, I had a, I got another one. It was a 45 caliber pistol with a water gun, but then it would have a, you put a, a, a magazine into it. <laughs> oh, it really? Came, yeah, it came with like three little magazines and you filled with water. And, you know, you slip it into the handle. And then one of my favorites, too, that was very... This one was sold in the Johnson Smith catalog and the Honor House catalogs. was a water gun that the top of the gun had a little nozzle thing that you could turn to the side of the round. I so, remember those. So I would pretend I was shooting you, and then it would shoot to the side and hit the person on the side. We used to use those to shoot around a corner so you didn't have to, right. you know, expose yourself. So you would turn that nozzle to shoot around the corner, but... I, I was able to get about, I don't know, believe it or not, it was about maybe a year ago. I, I got one of the originals still in the pack, <laughs> the one that you, the Johnson Smith sold. <clears throat> I think I paid like $24 for it. It wasn't cheap. Uh, but I got it because it was still in the pack, and I always thought it was so funny. Then there was also one that they used, and it was called the, the Polish um, Pistol. And it was the pistol, but <laughs> the barrel's pointing. It shot <laughs> It's it's a revolver. You ever seen that one? The Polish. I don't pistol. think I've seen it. it it's a revolver, but the, the the gun is pointing at the at you, so you would fire it and shoot back at you. Uh, that was. Oh, that's fun funny. Um, yeah, that one. I enjoyed that one. Then there was also the pistol that I, I mean, because you got to remember one thing. I came from an era of when they were making all this stuff when they were still being sold, and I have everything. Like I mean, I had a big fascination with guns. I used to, and I still do. I still, in fact, right before I got married, I had uh, three rifles, and was it? No, five rifles and three handguns. When my daughter, of course, I got married at 18, so I want you to think how this works. At that time, in order for me to obtain a, a pistol in the state of New Jersey, since they're so tough with the rules, when I got my, my permit, I had to have the guy who owned the shop, who was a friend of mine, buy the pistol under his name, and then transfer the paperwork to me. And, you know, I had a, I think it was a, the, the Colt State Trooper Mark III, 357. I had a Beretta 380, and I think I had um, a Lama Super Camache, which is a beautiful-looking 44 Magnum. But it was, yeah. they each only cost me 190 250 Man, when I got married, couldn't afford the rent a couple of times. And I used to go to this police store. <laughs> it was called the Cop Shop, located in my city. And I said to the guy, how much you gave me for this? How much? And I sold them. Uh, I remember getting for the Colt State Trooper, 357 Magnum with a six and a quarter inch barrel. It was chrome, not chrome, but it was nickel plated. Not nickel, I'm sorry, it was chrome. Because, uh, wait, wait, the nickel plate is the silver. The chrome is the one that has the shiny, shiny look to it. And um, it looked very, very similar to the Colt 
Silver Snake, which came out back in that in the eighties, and it went for over almost a thousand bucks at that time because it was the the let's say the Rolls Royce of of handguns, mm-hmm. and um, I sold it. I got I paid for it two hundred and forty nine dollars, and I sold it for a hundred and sixty. Okay, I recently came across one. Uh, I was just looking. I forget it was online or something. Same one, three thousand dollars, and I'm like, oh my god. We well, you know I, I I sold a, bu- a bunch of guns about a year, to, yeah, about a year ago. I was at my my local comic shop, and he had these old DC comics from the mid '50s, and they all had um, well, not all of them. There was one of them had the original Green Lantern on it, and then the other ones had uh, Spy Smasher on it. So I, I was like, man, that because these are real nice copies. I. You know, I, I I seen the price tag. I'm like, man, it's a little bit more than I could afford. And you know, I I kind of talked with the guy. I think there were six six or seven books that were in the little stack, and you know, older books. You know, little price tag on them. So, came up with a um. You know, we worked things out, and it came to like I think like fifteen hundred dollars for the books. I'm like, you know, I'm like, give me a, you know, I'll, I'll make some payments on it. I'll see what I could do. You know. So I went home. I'm like, man, I go. I gotta get these books. So I had a, a rifle. I've never never shot it. I bought it off a of buddy, and I had a Sig 1911. It was a Molon Lob edition. Only shot it maybe 50 times. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I I haven't shot these in a while. You know, the other one I haven't even shot. I said, you know, I'm gonna sell these. I said, I gotta have these books, man. I go because it'll it'll take me forever to pay off. You know, fifteen hundred dollars. You know, you know maybe. 50 bucks you know a month or something so i ended up selling the books and or not the books but the guns and i was able to buy the books with like 30 dollars left over you know <laughs> so, I bought, so i filled up my gas tank <laughs> that is that that's, that's funny because you know the things we do for, you know, for our hobby to, the thing with me is that even though i had the guns the, the moment my daughter got you know was born my 34 year old um I said to myself, you know, I'm going to get rid of them. And I got rid of the first handgun. I mean, the first gun I own again, which this is funny because I'm a collector, so I don't like to fire them, is when Duck Dynasty came out on television. I think it's a Mausberg, I think is the brand. And it's it's not a 306. I used to have one of the rifles I had was the Winchester Model 70 Lightweight 306 back in the day. And the... Um, uh, Ruger, not Ruger, um, Marlin 780-22 long. I had the Marlin 760, which was like, a, you know, it, which, it was a semi-automatic 22 uh, long, you know, the long 22s. <laughs> and then I had the, uh, a 44 ACP carbine, which you could put 1944 Magnums, and it was, you know, like the old rifleman guns where you had the carbine at the bottom like that. Um, I sold all of them, but anyway, I was able to buy again a rifle. Uh, it was on sale Black Friday about four years ago, five years ago, and I bought I don't know like five or six cases, not cases, but boxes of bullets. It's a what is it, caliber two eighty? It's like the thirty oh six, but it's just slightly smaller the tip. To this day, I haven't fired it. <laughs> <laughs> I put it in my closet. I even lost the key. Because it's the fact is I'm a collector, so I just yeah. love 
my favorite guns uh, when it came to rifles are the bolt action with the, you know what I'm saying they're long and then they kind of have the groove like that and then the stock comes out but it has like a right. little bit where you grab it you know what I'm saying like a little slight handle and the stock goes like that and bolt action with the with the grooves uh, mm-hmm. on, on the wood you know on both sides I love those and the reason for that is again when we go to Cuba one day my grandfather had a relative come over to visit and I think he worked for the government because who in Cuba is going to own a gun you know you can't so the guy came and he put his rifle by the wall, leaning on the wall, standing up on the ground. So when I saw it, my grandfather says to me, you can't touch that because, you know, it's a gun. I was fascinated, man. It, it's, <laughs> it sounds retarded to say this, but also the guy goes in the back. I think he had what I think was a forty-five caliber, and he goes... I want to show you how powerful this is to my grandfather. So he puts a bullet in it. He fires it up into the air. And he said, it cracks the shell. So the shell came out and it had a little crack. I still remember this like it happened yesterday. It fascinated me. That day, I became a gun lover. From being four or five years old. Yeah. And getting introduced to it. So... When I came, all I would do is buy toy guns, any type of gun, collectible, cap, firing pistols. I probably have between cap pistols and, you know, those toy guns from the comic books. I have almost every one of them. Like well, I think when I, I was able to uh, purchase, uh, I think it was over the, a little bit before summertime was a buddy of mine. Uh, he was a big collector like us, and um, he had an original Red Rider from 1934, I believe it was. And he had it up on his wall, and he also had the 50th anniversary. I believe it was 50th anniversary edition. But the thing that got me for his 1934 Red Rider is that it still had the original leather tassel on the um, the charging handle on the bottom. Cause, you know, you, you had the charging handle, you had to bring – you know, forward and back to pump it. And it still had the leather tassel on it. And I, I was just gawking over. I said, I've never seen, you know, BB gun this old and in, you know, immaculate condition. Well, he called me one day and he goes, Hey, he goes, I want you to, you know, stop over. So he had both of the guns there. He goes, you know, I'll give it to you for a good price if you want them. And, you know, needless to say, I, I, I don't care. I didn't really care what the price was. I just wanted the, you know, the 1934, you know, Red Rider, but, you know, part of the deal was to take the 50th anniversary, which, you know, I, I, I didn't really want it. I just, I wanted the original one, but like I, I compared the original to the, the 50th anniversary one, which would have been, you know, mid eighties that came out. And it was just, it was just very junky. The eighties one, it was plastic where the original was wood and it was just, you know, you could tell that it was, it wasn't put together as well as the original and it didn't have a leather tassel. It was like the, the faux leather that was on it. So it was very cheaply done. And I just, I left it in the box. I have the original one up on the wall and it's, I mean, it's absolutely beautiful for being almost, you know, 90 years old or so. So you, you know, you could tell a lot of those, you know, guns were put together very well and, 30s 40s 50s and 60s you know probably even going into the 70s they were uh 
I think, I don't know, probably the 80s, the early 80s or early 90s, uh, like 1991, 92. <clears throat> there was a, there's a gun, I don't know if there's, I guess they're still in business. They're called Beeman Sporting Goods. And they would sell, you know, Beeman air guns or high power air guns that go for several hundred dollars. Some of them go for like two, three thousand dollars. They're precision for uh, shooting, you know, and for target practice, obviously. Um, I remember I had one uh, that I purchased <coughs> and then I, I sold it because um, it got me pissed off that they made me get a license for that jersey and that particular one was called the tempest and it had a futuristic thing because it, it, it looks like a a, ba- a a big round barrel where the air went and then on the top was a, a thin barrel and that's where you put the, the pellet but it cost me like 380 dollars i don't i don't know why i bought it i bought it and I probably two or three months later i i sold it and i remember it was kind of stupid oh. I had, <clears throat> when I sold it, nobody wanted to buy it because I had to sell it to somebody who had a license, you know. And I sold it to some old guy. I, I'm surprised, but I, I only sold it to him for, I think it was $230. So it was brand new. I never used it. But that that's what counts. In. But then, you know, when the soft air came on, that they were allowed to be sold in all the stores from Walmart to everything in New Jersey. Because at one time Kmart in New Jersey, every everywhere you went in New Jersey, you had, you know, you can buy guns. Um, the laws are so strict here that when I bought my rifle four years ago, I bought it in um, in Dick's Dick's uh, Sporting Goods, and I went and purchased it. They made me wait a week after I purchased it, and then when I got there, the guy says, "Are you finished?" I said, "Yeah." He says, he "Goes to I go to pick up my gun. They made me wait seven days or something like that." And then he, he brings it to the outside of the store in the parking lot and goes, here. I go, That's crazy. Me? They walked me out to the parking lot, and then they gave it to me. And he says, how about beautiful? And I'm like, that's so stupid. Well, inside the store, they did, that, that's how, I mean, the laws are just stupid up in this area. Really dumb. Um, the fact that my mom lives in Florida and my brother's over there, my, my whole collection, I, I put her over there when I, you know, when I go to Florida, because that's another thing. I want to bring my brother onto the podcast because my brother has two store, two storage units. I think they're 10 by 12, I mean 10 by 10s, filled with Superman collectibles. He's, he's the same age as you, Joe. I think oh, he's about man. 42, 43. I'm 18 years older than him, whatever. But he's got Superman, like everything Superman, statues, um and he's got my, I don't know, he's got like two or three BB guns that I have, which includes, I, I got to be honest, I had the original Red Rider, <laughs> just like you did. And this is going to make you laugh. I bought it in New York City in a flea market, downtown New York. And, and I'm like, I thought this was supposed to be illegal in New York. I bought this, oh my gosh, back in 1987, 88. Okay. And I lost it in the fire. <laughs> it burned out. <laughs> So I do have in Florida in my mom's house, because uh, I have a closet in my mom's house that, you know, um, it's mine. So I, I put a lot of my collectibles down there. And, and the reason is because anytime I go down there, I usually fly or drive and I can't bring it up. So I keep, but I don't keep important things. You know, I'll, I'll keep like my BB guns and stuff like that because I just want to have them. I don't care. It's not something I go out, but what I was going to tell you, I have the 50th uh anniversary edition 
Well, what, what, now for their, this is our first video podcast. So there'll be some people watching the video and listening and some people just listening to the podcast. So I'm going to, I'm going to get something very special for the people that are, that are watching this podcast. So give me a second. I'm going to go off screen here real quick and I'm going to grab something that's just out of view. Joe, you pulled the disappearing act. Oh my God. I saw you disappear before my very eyes. Okay, I'm I'm back sort of. Let me get my my earphones on. What All right, you still there? Yeah, the 50th edition. No, this is the original one. Oh, that's the one. I thought you had it up in the wall. Huh? No, I I thought I did, but I I have it in the box. So I was just thinking, I said, man, you know, you this know, is the yeah. Is this the original one? That's the original. I can see it. Yeah, it is. Even the no, fi- this is this is the this is the fiftieth. Yeah, I thought I, I had it up on the wall, but I, I must have took them down when I was cleaning. This is the original. You could kind of see how the leather, you know, the leather's kind of broken, all that, and it's older. But it is. Do you have any rust on that? It looks. Nope. It is in pristine condition, and it is. You know, this is like the real wood on, on the original one. Where the newer one, it's kind of like that. I don't know if it's a plastic or if it's like a faux wood. But it, it's, you know, and it's put together with, it, it's just not put together as well as the you original see, one then. Here's the difference between your original and mine. You know what it is? My 50th is still original box. I haven't taken it out. It still has the original. That's a nice piece, man. Really? Yeah, that's the, the box. That, yeah, that's the, the box that I have here. That's the box for the 50th. And this one, I did have it on the wall because I had a little, um, Red Rider display, but I've been rearranging and cleaning, so I had taken it down, and it was leaning, I was just looking over, it was leaning up against my, my bookshelf, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to bring it on so some people could see it if they've ever seen it, but yeah, it's, you know, it cocked from the bottom, and still has the uh, the original tassel, and then, I don't know if everybody could see on there where it hey, says uh, Red Rider, it has the Red Rider on his uh, his horse, so, let, let me ask you a definitely question. a cool piece. Let me, have you ever tried firing it? No, oh no 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 no. <laughs> oh gosh. It it should honestly no. I think I don't see why it would you might have leak in it, like you know, it might leak or something, but you know what? okay, hold on. Let let's we'll we'll do it on live on the podcast. It clicks. Oh my god, so now, now what happens if you fire it and it falls apart? Then you know what everybody on here will see it. Ready? Let's hear if we could see it go. You hear it? Yeah. Wow, and 1934. Right now, I, gu- I guarantee you around your mustache there, you got a little bit of air. Oh, it feels so good. I love yeah, it. That's what I'm saying. You have leaks on it because that's just normal. But that gun should work fine. Listen, um, what's going to make oh, you Oh, beautiful. You know how much I paid for my original when I bought it? How much? The guy in the flea market it was closing up and he goes, you want it? <laughs> he gave it to me for 10 bucks. Really? Um, I, I, I don't think I paid that much. I can't remember what I paid for both of these, but it wasn't, um, here's wasn't what, that much. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, 
it said, I don't know why, but he, he, this is the funny thing. The toy Buck Roger guns can do hundreds, even a thousand to two thousand dollars. Okay? The fake guns, like, I mean, the real BB guns, like Beeman's, I'm sorry, or, or Daisy, which makes the Red Rider, Crossman. Yeah. You could get an original for under a hundred bucks. It's, it, oh really? Yeah, I don't understand why. There's, <coughs> there's absolutely the market for. It's kind of like you know, a lot of people say, "Hey, I got cameras." Listen, I went to college for photography. I became a photographer. That's actually my profession, which I never did nothing on. Now I'm doing movie editing and stuff, which I like more than it was for photography. I, I actually enjoy doing editing more. What we're doing now, but one thing I'm going to tell you right now, uh, in case you haven't noticed, we are about. A minute and a half, we're going to have to end the podcast because uh, it goes. But one thing I'm going to tell you right now, yeah. cameras, cameras, you can have a 100-year-old Kodak. You probably get $25 for it. They're not worth anything. Cameras uh, don't hold value. Like other you know, my, good, the guy that sold me the, the cameras, a buddy of mine, or the, the rifles, a buddy of mine, he's a big camera collector, and he got tons, and he's... The only real money that he's ever got from his cameras were from, um, like very very rare ones. But he's sold a bunch of his to, um, like Hakes and all that, and he really didn't get much from them. Joe, we have thirty seconds. Okay. What is your final thoughts? All right, final thoughts is everyone out there, come check us out at houseoftheunusual.com, or I'm gonna come after you with my Red Rider BB gun. Sign up. For our, uh, our free newsletter and our free form and you know meet some like-minded people and come out there give us some show ideas and if you want to be on and join your beautiful face with our beautiful faces well, you, know, you can do that as well 10 seconds <laughs> to say goodbye everybody and please come in and this is our first podcast we will be better later <laughs>